Hello, my good friends. This is Dan Jones with another quiet talk to share with you today. You have bereaved me of my children. Joseph is no more, and Simeon is no more, and now you would take Benjamin. All this has come against me. Such was the lament of the old man Jacob. It had been a number of years since he lost his favorite son, Joseph. Now there's a famine, and his other sons have gone down to Egypt to buy food. The prime minister of Egypt expressed great suspicion of the ten brothers. The youngest, Benjamin, had remained home with his father, and so he kept Simeon in custody until they returned with the youngest. Jacob's pilgrimage had not been easy. When still a young man, he had to flee his home his mother and father, because his brother had vowed to kill him. Jacob had tricked Esau out of both the birthright and the patriarchal blessing. So he migrated to his mother's home area and worked for his uncle, who also became his father-in-law. But his father-in-law did not treat him well, and after many years, he finally decided to head back home and take his chances with his aggrieved brother. As it turned out, Esau's heart had softened, and there was a beautiful reconciliation between them. But other trials followed this. Joseph's brothers hated him because he was daddy's favorite. They planned to kill him, but instead sold him into slavery in Egypt. They led Joseph to believe, or Jacob to believe, that Joseph had been killed by wild animals. Jacob had no reason to doubt their word. His favorite son, who was apparently gifted as a seer, was dead. Now, in a severe famine, the ten brothers go down to Egypt because they've heard that there's food there, not knowing that the high Egyptian official with whom they must deal is the brother they sold into slavery. They tell him about their family back in Canaan. Joseph commands them to return with the youngest brother, who happens to have the same mother as he does. Jacob had four wives. Or they will not be able to get any more food during this terrible famine. Starvation would be the only alternative. When their food runs out, they return with Benjamin, which leads to the sorrowful lament with which I began this talk. When we think about Jacob's hardships, it's, it's good to keep in mind the promises of God that he was heir to. The covenant God made with Abraham, Jacob's grandfather, was by default made with him as well. Even though he wasn't born when Abraham had those crucial encounters with God, the promise was to Abraham and to his descendants, of whom Jacob was obviously one. God promised blessing and prosperity, an eternal homeland, and many descendants. And yet, toward the end of his life, when Jacob himself went to Egypt and was presented to the king there, he said, Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life, and they have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their sojourning. He could have said, I've had some hard times, but the God who created the heavens and the earth made a promise to my grandfather that we would become a great and mighty nation and that all the people on earth would be blessed through us. But of course, he didn't say that. 
I guess hard times can sort of distort your outlook, especially when much of the difficulty is really your own fault. I heard a great sermon at a funeral once. How many of you remember a funeral sermon that was memorable in its own right? Not many, I imagine. But the preacher I'm thinking about used this facet of Jacob's experience as an illustration of the way in which our view of life is often distorted. He pointed out that while Jacob was mourning his son Joseph as dead, Joseph was actually in another city sitting on a throne. That's a great line for a funeral, at least the funeral of a real believer. But I think it can apply to all of us at some point in our lives. Are you, my friend, and I'm addressing this talk primarily to Christians, are you in a state of mourning, maybe not of a loved one who has passed, but over things in your life that have not turned out like you wished? Maybe instead of the death of a person, it's the death of a dream or ambition that has made you sad. Your life has not turned out as you had once hoped and believed you can be sure that your podcast host here knows at least a bit about this, about difficult life situations that he would instantly change if he had the power. And I certainly have experienced disappointments where cherished hopes and dreams are concerned. Here's what I want to remind you of today. Like Jacob, God has made a covenant with us. When God cut that covenant with Abraham, It involved the bodies of animals which he sacrificed. In Genesis 15, God told Abraham to look up at the night sky and try to count the stars. Your descendants will be as numerous as the stars in the heaven, God told him. And then he did something that sounds very strange to us. He told Abraham to sacrifice five animals and cut their carcasses in half and lay them on the ground. Then the glory of God passed between the pieces of the animals. In Abraham's day, when two people made a covenant with each other, they would kill an animal, split it into two parts, and then each of them would walk between the pieces of the sacrifice as it lay on the ground. They were saying by this ritual, May it be done to me as we have done to this animal if I break this covenant. In Abraham's case, only God passed through the pieces of the animals. In other words, God was saying that the fulfillment of the covenant didn't depend on Abraham at all. God would fulfill his promise no matter what. For Christians, the sacrifice was not a bull or a lamb, but the Son of God himself who came from heaven to earth to institute this wonderful covenant. He said at the Last Supper, as he held up the chalice, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. The covenant Jesus instituted at Calvary is also an unconditional covenant. It doesn't depend on our goodness or our power to make it happen. It depends only upon the faithfulness of God. Nothing that happens or doesn't happen in my life can alter that blood covenant. In Hebrews 9, we read these beautiful words, but Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things to come. He entered 
through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation, and not through the blood of goats and calves, but through his own blood. He entered the holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who had been defiled, sanctify for the cleansing of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? You know, I can't think of anything more wonderful that could happen in my life than having my conscience made clean through the blood of Christ. He has enabled me to serve God from a vantage point of eternal redemption and freedom from sin. I have no business today being sad or being in mourning about how my life has turned out. I have a great high priest who has entered the holy presence of God by his own blood. And there, at God's right hand, he is praying for me right now. Hallelujah. Are you in mourning today? Listen to the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this covenant that Jesus has made in his own blood, the covenant for us to take away our sins, to cleanse our consciences from dead works, to serve the living God. Thank you, Jesus. Help us to live in that covenant to remember what God has done for us. And I pray, Lord God, for those listening today, that you would indeed give them, all those that mourn, a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and the mantle of praise instead of a spirit of fainting, so we can be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that God Almighty himself shall be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. My dear friends, thank you for listening. Please pray for us at the Bread of Life Anglican Church, where we're seeking to plant this congregation in the Schenectady, New York area. We meet Sundays at 10 o'clock at 1809 Union Street in Schenectady. That is the American Legion Hall. And uh, you'd be welcome to join us. If you don't have a church home, come and see us there if you live in this area. God bless you. As always, you may reach me by email at father.danjones at outlook.com.